Hello, and welcome to another episode of Play It Forward. Uh, unfortunately, my partner in crime, Leanne, will not be joining me, but we do have a very, very special guest, the one and only Alan Taylor, uh, Managing Director of Catalyst, Head of EX, uh, Endeavor Historian. He wears all sorts of hats. So, Alan, thank you for uh, coming on. Of course. Good to see you, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Um, so, you know, you have been at Endeavor for now... 16 years is that right a little over 16 years that's correct yeah so uh you really do have perhaps uh, the best grasp of endeavor history except for linda and maybe there are a few others i'm curious about your personal endeavor journey and how that maps out to like where endeavor was at the different stages of your endeavor journey so like how many tours of duty have you done and uh-huh. uh, what was endeavor like in those different tours. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll try to paint a little bit of a picture, but I think all in, I've probably had, uh, if people like this concept, Reed Hoffman has around tours of duty within an organization. I've probably had four or five right within Endeavor over the years. Um, but I joined Endeavor in 2006. Uh, I was three years out of college. So I was 25 years old. And I think if you'd asked me at the time, I thought I would work here for two or three years, right? So this has far exceeded my expectations in terms of what I originally envisioned. Uh, at the time when I joined, Endeavor was in five or six countries. It was mostly in Latin America. You know, I speak fluent Spanish and a little bit of Portuguese. And so that's why I joined, right? It was really the Latin America connection. I think I was employee number nine in the global office here in, in New York, Um and we probably had maybe 30 or 40 people who worked for us total around the world. You know, that was in Latin America and, and a few in South Africa. You know, we also supported at that time, I think something like 120 Endeavor entrepreneurs, right? And we ran one ISP a year. So it looked very different, I think, than it does today. Um, part of the reason I've been here for so long and been able to kind of build my career here, I think has a lot to do with just good luck and serendipity that Endeavor grew tremendously while I was here, right? And so I've kind of grown into all these different roles uh, with the organization. Uh, Some people do know, you know, I started Outlife uh, on the selection team. So I, I wrote profiles and helped people get ready for ISPs. I eventually then ran the selection team and ran ISPs um, for a few years. I moved over I guess my my second kind of tour of duty was moving over to run uh, servicing and eventually to run what we now call EX, right? So I have had this job before in, t- in terms of being the head of, of selection and servicing uh, back in 2009, 10, 11 era. Um, it was actually during that same time that I left New York and I moved to California uh, to open an office for us in San Francisco with the idea that, you know, to really best serve our entrepreneurs, we needed to build out our network of mentors, of investors, and of partners in California. So in a way, that was kind of a another tour of duty was the first 18 months of setting up this office in San Francisco. I spent a lot of time thinking about kind of what our network capacity would need to be for Endeavor to go to the next level. Um, I kept doing that through 2012 and 13 where more and more we also worked on uh, capital, right? And kind of figuring out how to help entrepreneurs raise money. That of course led to the the early days of Endeavor Catalyst, which we can get into and talk about. And then I took over running Catalyst full-time 
uh, at the end of 2014. And so that really has been my job for the last seven or eight years. Some people do know me as like the fund guy, right? But I, I have learned a heck of a lot about venture capital over time. Uh, but I grew up in Endeavor, in selection and servicing. And in many ways, I, I'm super excited about what I get to work on now and next because it's it's kind of going back to my my roots at Endeavor. That's awesome. And I kind of want to break it down like almost tour by tour since, okay, we you painted this picture of Endeavor was basically 10 to 12 times smaller than it is today, like in terms of number of markets, number of employees. So that's when you started. When you were heading up EX, what was that? You said 2009, 10? 2009, I was still selection. I guess I started working on servicing and selection in 2010. If I mean, don't quote me on it. Something like that. Yes. I'll look at your LinkedIn and, and see if we can, uh, <laughs> we can figure it out. Yeah. But like, so at that point, what, how, how large was Endeavor? And, and I'm curious when it came to servicing, what were the primary pain points that you remember trying to think through? Yeah. You're going to give me a little bit of a memory test here, but if I can try to go back in a time machine, um, the initial challenges I remember really working on at Endeavor were around scaling selection, right? And scaling our capacity to evaluate and bring in companies and scaling the ISP. I mean, I tell this kind of funny story, but I was tasked with working on, uh, it was a, an ISP that was going to be held in Istanbul, Turkey, right? We launched Turkey in kind of 06, 07 timeframe. And we were going to have the first panel there. And the panel binder literally said, Panel Internacional Istanbul, Turkey. <laughs> right? And I was like, wait a second, we got to rename this thing, I think. So it, it showed the Latin American DNA of Endeavor and the scale we'd been doing of like, you know, one selection panel a year, right? And so my my first scalability things I worked on really were in selection around moving to two ISPs a year, naming it the ISP, right? Like coming up with that whole idea. So I'm to blame for that, I guess. Um, eventually going to four ISPs a year, like building panelist capacity. A lot of the same things I think we're actually at a new inflection point of looking at now, we did have to do back then. And there was really a sense, I think, in that era of building true value-added services for entrepreneurs that came directly from the global network or the global team, um, because of the locally owned and operated nature of an endeavor, a lot of the support and servicing back then and still today, right, comes out of the local networks. But I'd say those days were kind of version 1.0, or I don't know, maybe 2.0, and now we're on 6.0, I'm not sure, of thinking through how can we unlock value out of the global network of mentors really for entrepreneurs? I'll make a note, though, that we still thought of it a lot as mentor to entrepreneur, right? And so this very powerful idea of now that the network has gotten so much bigger in terms of the EEs themselves and the real value in the peer-to-peer -peer network, entrepreneur to entrepreneur, that was just starting to be on our radar screen back then, I think, right? And, and now it's clear that it's a very core part of, of what Endeavor is. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back to where you are most excited um, with regards to EX and servicing and selection, um, mm -hmm. but continuing your Endeavor journey, you moved to Catalyst. Um, and I was wondering if you could give people a sense of what Catalyst was, maybe some of the initial assumptions, and then just how has Catalyst as a fund and uh, its mission evolved or not evolved as the case may be. Sure. Um, 
So I'll try to keep it uh, concise and succinct. But essentially, uh, Catalyst has this great formation story in that it was both bottoms up and top down, right? And I was part of a small team of people on the bottoms up side of, we were working with entrepreneurs. We had just built this thing we called the mentor capital program, right? Kind of mentoring companies about fundraising. Uh, we were starting to build an investor network and make more introductions and really try to add value in terms of connecting Endeavor entrepreneurs to smart connected capital providers, right? And the entrepreneurs actually came to us and said, hey, um, the mentorship was super helpful. That connection to Excel or Sequoia or whomever was great. But what really help is when you introduce me, if you would tell the guys that you were also investing, right? like just for the signal of it, right? The dollars are less important, but kind of putting mm -hmm. some skin in the game. And so there was this piece of what was happening in undercurrent at Endeavor where the entrepreneurs were kind of saying to us, hey, would you ever do this, right? And I was part of a small team of staff members working on that. The bigger catalyst origin story, though, that a lot of people know is that top down, Reed Hoffman had joined the board of Endeavor, Reed famously, and, and Nick Byme, who's been a board member for a long time and is a, a partner at Venrock, and Linda we're having this conversation around how do you make endeavors self-sustaining, right? And how do you create a business model over time that allows us to be more philanthropy independent? And there was the notion that came in like, well, we have these amazing companies. We should just be a small investor in them. But it was a long held assumption at Endeavor that we would not invest in the companies, right? How do you pick and choose? You can't pick and choose among your children. And so Reed gets a lot of credit for saying, well, what if you did it in a rules-based way? Like, what if you did it in a programmatic way, right? This is really Nick and Reed and in conversation with Linda and then eventually with, with more of us. And what's fascinating to me about Endeavor Catalyst is 10, 11 years into building this, it is the same model we started with, right? It is the same mission we started with. In many ways, it's been the same from the beginning. The original idea of, you know, Endeavor has access to great entrepreneurs. So if we created a fair rules-based way to invest in them, that would actually create a really compelling venture portfolio and therefore like a great kind of money-making um, engine to fund Endeavor's future. So it's been fun to see. I remember Nick um, Byam said to me at the start, like, well, you know, ventures are very long-term business and you need multiple funds to do this and to do three funds and they're all 10-year lives. This is really probably like a 15-year project, right? To make Endeavor self-sustaining. It's fun for me to think back now, we're 10 years into that and say, hey, we're we're on our way, right? Like we've returned more than $100 million. We've obviously raised $500 million. We've made 270 investments. But it's been very true, I think, to the original goals around, you know, this is about helping entrepreneurs. It's about building ecosystems. Uh, and it's about creating this kind of long-term path to self-sustainability um, for Endeavor. And and here, I'm, I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to interject myself in this story because I remember joining- Please. You. In 2013, and like Catalyst, I guess was right off the ground, and like you were Catalyst, and there was nobody else on Catalyst. <laughs> and now, like ten years later, there's a whole, excuse me, there's a whole team. Um, and so I'm curious if you could just kind of like paint a picture. And now we're going to transition on you as a dual head of Catalyst and EX. Mm -hmm. What is what is the team of Catalyst, the operations of Catalyst, look now? Yeah, no, good question. And obviously we've grown up a lot. You know, if we go back to that very first, you know, people know we started investing, actually donated capital before we even had a fund back in 2012 and 2013. Um, you know, and just to give a sense, we were doing, 
you know, the first year we ever invested out of Endeavor Catalyst, we made five investments in a year, right? The second year we made 10, the third year, I think we made nine. So we're doing like five or 10 investments a year. And we have a very small handful of originally donors and then eventually LPs behind the fund. Um, fast forward to today, you know, people always say, how many people are on the Catalyst team? And I say 500 plus, right? Because everybody who works for Endeavor essentially is contributing to what we're doing with, with Endeavor Catalyst. But on the Catalyst uh, team itself, like specifically, uh, we've had to build certain functions and capabilities, right? So Jackie Carmel, who's been with us eight plus years, uh, really does head investor relations now in kind of that LP community. Uh, we've brought on a whole team to look at finance and legal and audit and kind of the back end of Catalyst. Um, but the reality is we've had to build kind of a deal machinery. Um, you know, Margaret has had a pipeline, Maria's had a portfolio around the fact that we have now more than 500 LPs across the funds, right? So we have a whole investor relations function to take care of. Uh, we've made 270 investments. So there's actually quite a bit to do there on kind of finance and 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 backend management. Uh, and we do use third-party providers, right? We use Carta and others to help support all this. Um, and then, you know, we are doing 40 to 50 investments a year, right? So there's a very different machinery around what that, that needs to look like. I think to anticipate where you're going with the question, though, uh, the reason I'm even able to step in to also play this role helping to lead EX going forward has to do with the strength of this team we've actually built at Catalyst, right? And so now with, with Jackie on investor relations, with Carmela leading finance, um, with teams really working on pipeline portfolio, and then increasingly having some of these senior leaders contribute in different regions around the world, right? Some people know we brought Kela over a year ago, moved to Singapore to kind of lead what we're doing in, in Asia, right? We're, we're, we're just now bringing uh, Pete Benedetto from the expansion team to be a senior leader within Catalyst, uh, covering kind of Europe and eventually, you know, the broader kind of EMEA region. So it's the, it's the building up of that team and that capacity, I think, that gives me the possibility, right, and the potential to also spend some time uh, with the folks at, on EX. And I'm going to make a quick plug for Academy. So Alan just mentioned a lot of people. And if you're curious, like, who are these people? What do they look <laughs> like? We have a link that says Endeavor Org Chart. And you can actually see the org chart for Endeavor. And uh, everybody is truly fantastic. I'm going to double vouch for them. Um, and Alan, as you know, this podcast is known for its hard-hitting questions. So here it is. Are All right, bring it on. All right. So the question is dual head of EX and Catalyst. How do we make sure that Catalyst serves EX and not EX serving Catalyst? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's probably the most important question to really directly address. Um, and if I think back on it, right, when we were originally designing Endeavor Catalyst, the entire design was done by you know, the Endeavor board, Linda, team members like myself, you know, this is all in the spirit of serving Endeavor, right? And and again, the kind of three priorities we have as a fund are always still be true to Endeavor's mission of being entrepreneur first, uh, really think about how to build these smart connected capital ecosystems, right? That's the whole co-investment model. And then make money, right? Make money for the LPs who've invested with us um, and be a great investment, but also make money to fund Endeavor's future. So if we keep that in line and we really think about it, 
it is a hundred percent mission aligned with all the work we're trying to do at Endeavor. Um, and so the important thing is to make sure we get the order correct, right? And this is the idea that uh, in English, there's a great phrase on, you know, we have to make sure that the tail doesn't wag the dog, right? And this is true that in this case, Endeavor is the dog. Like Endeavor is the thing we're building and the thing we care about and, you know, what we're trying to do for the future. Catalyst is merely a, a program or a tool designed to help our entrepreneurs to help in the kind of the access to capital world and to be a long-term business model to help Endeavor, right? And so we have to keep it that way. And this probably most comes up when you think about things like selection. We aren't selecting companies to invest in them, right? We're selecting entrepreneurs and companies that fit Endeavor's mission. And we're trying to partner with them at the right inflection point on their journey that makes the biggest impact on them. So they become, in Linda's words, the big bubbles. So they become kind of part of our theory of change. Along the way, if they raise outside capital from professional funds, we will also invest, right? But that's not the reason to select them. And I do think it's important to be super explicit about that um, because if you start to run a venture capital fund, it gets attention, it gets headlines, it's in the news. People are like, oh, you guys are becoming a fund. It's like, well, no, we are not a fund. We are Endeavor, right? We are an entrepreneur support organization. We're an economic development group. We are sort of a unique constellation of, of human beings, you know, forming this network to try to change the world. We are not a fund. We have a fund, right? We operate a venture capital fund um, and it's one of our programs. And it's one of the ways that we're also going to make Endeavor uh, self-sustaining. So, but I think in many ways for a long time, we sort of shied away from that question. And we said, oh, well, we should be careful and let's try to make sure they're separate and think about it. And the reality is we built Catalyst to be 100% aligned with Endeavor's mission. And so I think we can just own it and say like, hey, let's all of us collectively be owners of Endeavor, be owners of Endeavor Catalyst and make sure, like pay attention to uh, the order in which we're trying to do these things. That makes a lot of sense and is uh, it's inspiring and it's exciting. And I want to end this podcast by refocusing our attention, not just on Catalyst, but now thinking about EX and the programs that we have planned for 2023 and even beyond. What makes you most excited? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, there are several things I'm excited about. But since I was not a management consultant, I won't give you a bulleted list of three things. Uh, if there's one thing I'm really the most excited about, it is getting to work with this new generation of leaders uh, at Endeavor, uh, particularly within selection and within servicing, on enabling them to build the future of these programs, right? And so I have ideas. I come with a lot of history. I I've been around, you know, Endeavor does have a powerful uh, thing of rediscovery sometimes like, oh, we have this great new idea. Oh yeah, actually we did that eight years ago. Why'd we stop doing that? Right. So I hope I can bring some historical knowledge and perspective. Um, but mostly within selection, I'm excited to work with Evan and with Mark and with Linda and kind of really figure out how to help them take selection to the next level. Uh, with global servicing, I do believe that one of the real big things we have to do over the next two or three years is raise the bar on, on our mentor network, on our panelist network, on everything we're doing within our service programs, we did raise the bar effectively on selection. And it, and it, and it has created for us, I think a real opportunity, but a real challenge to make sure that we deliver 
to this incredible caliber of entrepreneur that's now in the network. But I see that more, my role is kind of being a guide, a mentor, a coach, a leader uh, for Nassim, for Marta, uh, for Marina, and for the big teams they're building of great people to contribute here. So, you know, Nathan, you know, I'm a big believer in this this remarkable individual theory of societal change, right? That's what Endeavor is all about. It's like, find these amazing entrepreneurs, they're going to change the world. So I'm excited to be contributing to something where we can kind of take that to the next level. But ultimately, I think at this stage of my career, I think the most about how can I contribute to kind of the compounding of human networks to the idea of unlocking, you know, ideas and leadership potential in other people within the organization um, so we can help Endeavor kind of reach its full potential. Fantastic. Thank you. Now, I know we're running over and and I'm going to make a confession. I I showed you the questions that I was going to ask ahead of time, but there's one. I got a preview, but I was expecting there to be at least something off script. So go for it. So here it is. Here it is. You know, I've often thought like you have a very deep network among the best venture capitalists in the world. um, And they work for VCs, just, you know, just profit. And you could be doing other things than re-upping on another tour of duty at Endeavor. Mm-hmm. It's been 16 years and you're committing yourself to a whole new uh, slate of responsibilities. Why? Why are you still here today? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, but for me, there's no hesitation in, in the answer, right? Because truly, I see Endeavor today as a platform on which to build the future, right? And so if it really, if you really kind of break it down, um, and folks who work with me a lot, these are things I say over and over, right? Because I believe in the power of repetition. But, you know, what I really care about is leverage and impact, right? And I do think Endeavor is probably the best place in the world to work if you're prioritizing those two things, because the work we're doing is having a real impact out in the world. And no matter how, you know, successful, uh, knowledgeable, rich and famous you get, right? Even if you're Reed Hoffman, you only get 168 hours in a week and you have to sleep some of them. And so if you think about leverage, it's like, where can I spend my 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week contributing to a mission that will have the biggest leverage to make that impact? And, you know, yeah, I have lots of I have had over the past few years, plenty of people come and try to give me other jobs or say, hey, come work on this or do this or you'll make more money. But what I care about is trying to help Endeavor kind of really reach its full potential here and building new things on top of this platform, right? So we did an exercise with the team last week in New York of kind of, hey, 25 year anniversary, celebrate, amazing. Next day, come into the office and say, hey, what could the next 25 years look like? Right. And I like thinking about that. I like thinking about kind of the long term of what we can build here. And there is a very good quote here that means a lot to me on uh, it gets attributed to Bill Gates, but I think lots of people might have said it over time, which is human beings do tend to vastly overestimate what they can do in one year, um, but underestimate what they can do in one decade. And I guess what I've just realized over time is playing the long term game is a significant professional competitive advantage, right? And sort of sticking with this platform over what I hope to now will turn into two and three decades uh, will give us a chance to have a really big impact, right? And that's that's what I care about the most. 
that is truly a fantastic way to end it. I think um, we'll touch base on your 32nd year anniversary. <laughs> Maybe if I can get invited on the podcast once every 16 years, that'll be the right, uh, the right we're cadence. Booked, we're booked all the way through. Uh, I know you got a lot of guests, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, very competitive. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your honesty. And we're excited to see where 2023 takes us. Of course. Thanks for giving me the platform to do it. Appreciate it.